0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Author and speaker Robbie Zacharias challenges us to let our light shine and penetrate the darkness of a world in chaos.
1: Just when it seems darkest, God has a way of turning things around, and that's the surest way for us to know that he is sovereign and revival is his working, so don't retreat. Maybe think through carefully how you engage, but you must engage. Somebody you will meet is looking for answers, and one person can make a difference.
2: I'm James Robinson. My wife Betty and I welcome you to this special time. Uh, Robbie Zacharias is our guest. Uh, Would you welcome Robbie? We're glad you're here, Robbie. I'm going to, uh, you know, you've been a guest on Life Today. This is kind of the television program that other people pay for. Isn't it nice when you don't have to (laughs) bear the load? And we do it with joy because we want to share what you say. We have launched the stream. You were kind enough when we launched it to say you believed it was the Roman road for our day. What do you mean by that? Well, you were talking
1: to me so often long before it was launched, James, which I appreciated, and just pulling together some of the best minds in what you could put in front of the world through uh, all the, that's the cyber world allows and facilitates today and with all the nonsense that people can have access to. To combine truth with that elegance of sublime thought and bring them together in that confluence called the stream. Amazed me because whenever you read any book on evangelism, as we were talking, if you're reading uh, from writers from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whenever, they would always tell you two of the great points of leverage for the early disciples was in the Roman road and the Greek language. It was the language and the road that took the gospel to wherever they went. And if I look at one place today that combines the language and the road, it is really this thing that we do over the web. And for you to pull that together and pull the best of the minds together, as you and I talked, I said, this is the Roman road of today, James, and this is the Greek language of today. People are consuming information through that means, and they are responding to information in that way. I'm a hardcover book type of guy. I still read profusely, but today's reader is on a screen, and they can multitask doing this in so many different ways. To get that kind of material the way you're doing it, I commend you for it, and I hope the best days are ahead and that the Roman road will just get wider and wider till all of the world can be touched. You know, one or two words you can Google and pull up articles. And I think with the kind of material you're pulling together, I pray you will have a huge impact with that,
2: actually, James. Thank you, Ravi. Our stream editors have asked me to ask you some questions, and I'm going to read it the way they ask. And because I know people want to know, a lot of Christians are saying that America is becoming so hostile to Christianity that Christians should retreat into Christian communities and simply model good Christian living rather than trying to fight and dominate public life. Are those the only options? Retreat into bunkers, or try to dominate the culture? Is there another better way? Well, if you retreat, you can't model. You, know, you can't go into hiding
1: and say, I'm modeling out here. Well, you're only modeling it to yourself. So it tells you exactly the opposite, not to hide your light under a bushel. Mm -hmm. You know, but to let your light so shine before men that they could see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, I understand why this sense of fear and this sense of cynicism comes, because you see the battle sort of swinging in one particular direction. If I were to stay at home and read just the news, I would come to the same conclusion, James and Betty. But I'll tell you what, after four decades of crisscrossing this globe, I see people in audiences, I don't know of any university campus that we have been into in recent times, maybe with just one exception, when we were in Uppsala in Sweden, it was about 70% full or something. In every place, it's. Over a hundred percent. They have to open extra rooms. Now these are in the cerebral bastions. And then when you're to- when I go to India and speak to the, the to the Bollywood crowd, you know, they just fill up the ballrooms or whatever I'm speaking to two of them on. One of my colleagues was in your audience. We were together recently in Mumbai, in Delhi, and in Chennai. Every place was packed. Mm-hmm. And there were people in the audience who even 10, 15 years ago I would have said are not gonna be there. Now this is a global change. I realize full well that the question is, question is more focusing in the United States and maybe Canada and North America. Every university campus, whether we were at Harvard or Princeton or Cornell or Johns Hopkins uh, or Yale or uh, Penn State, I can tell you they're all full. These Kids are wanting to listen to answers. They're looking for meaning. One student at Cornell said to me, she said, you know, every waking moment I'm thinking as a naturalist. And now today, these two talks you've given yesterday and today are moving me into the supernatural realm. She was on the platform and the tears running down her face. How do I make this shift? Professional athletes, ball players. Uh, One, uh, when I was speaking to the Atlanta Braves, they were playing against the St. Louis Cards once and I was doing their chapel. And one of the players from one of the teams stayed back after I'd finished and they were about to go for practice. He literally put his head on my shoulder and wept. He said, I wished I'd heard this talk years ago before I lost everything of value that I have lost, even though I earned more money than I ever did. Mm -hmm. There are people there who are hungry and yearning. Don't just go with the public mood that the media often portrays. In every audience, there's somebody who's hoping you're right and willing to listen to you. Yes, the wheat and the tares are growing at the same time. I think probably the greatest onslaught comes from faculty members, sometimes in the Mm -hmm. academy. But there are also fine Christian scholars in there who tell you they are seeing a response in private to what they do. SO I WOULD JUST SAY YES, THE DAY SEEMS DARK, IT MAY SEEM GRIM, BUT I THINK OF WHAT uh, KING GEORGE VI SAID IN 1939, I SAID TO THE MAN AT THE GATE OF THE AIR, GIVE ME A LIGHT THAT I MAY WALK SAFELY INTO THE UNKNOWN. HE SAID TO ME, GO OUT INTO THE DARKNESS AND PUT YOUR HAND INTO THE HAND OF GOD AND IT SHALL BE TO YOU BETTER THAN THE LIGHT AND SAFER THAN THE KNOWN. GOD IS LEADING US IN ACCOMPLISHING THINGS. AND WHILE THE DAYS MAY SEEM DARK, THIS IS NOT THE LAST CHAPTER AND THERE'S A LOT MORE YET TO HAPPEN AND WE KNOW WHAT THE LAST CHAPTER ACTUALLY SAYS.
2: DIDN'T THE NEW TESTAMENT CHRISTIANS AND DIDN'T THE APOSTLE PAUL FACE AS SERIOUS A CHALLENGE AND AS, as, LET'S SAY, AS COMMITTED AN ENEMY TO TRUTH AS WE FACE?
1: WHEN YOU THINK OF WHAT PAUL WAS UP AGAINST, YOU KNOW, HE WAS A PRODUCT OF THREE CULTURES, GREECE, ROME, and AND BEING A PRODUCT OF THE HEBREW CULTURE, ALL OF THEM WERE HOSTILE. Towards his conversion. Mm-hmm. Even the disciples didn't know what to do with him, so they put him in a basket and lowered him over the wall. <laughs> they didn't realize they were putting a man in the basket who was going to write one-third of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And he changed history. Yes, he did. Saul of Tarsus to Paul changed history. Just when it seems darkest, God has a way of turning things around, and that's the surest way for us to know that He is sovereign and revival is his working. So don't retreat. Maybe think through carefully how you engage, but you must engage. Somebody you will meet is looking for answers,
2: and one person can make a difference. And God does the impossible with any yielded vessel. You were on a bed of suicide as a teenager and basically a total unbeliever. And here I am, a product of a rape, a forced sexual relationship where the doctor wouldn't abort me. You and I fell in love with Jesus, our lives were changed, we've been able to impact lives. We're examples of what Christ in a person can do. As surely as Christ clothed himself with Saul, Paul's humanity, and expressed the life of Christ through that humanity, he can do the same thing through any of us today. And we're just two examples, and out here are millions of people who can do the very same thing.
1: And I think that goes back to the point you were talking earlier on about suffering and pain. When you read 1 Corinthians 13, what does he say? And now abide faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The three excellencies of life, faith, hope, and love, none of them is attainable without suffering and without pain. And if that is true individually, I think it is also true nationally. And so when God takes us through these valleys and then emerge once again faith, hope, and love, you see that God, this is important now. God triumphs in not, not in spite of the dark mystery of evil or suffering, God conquers through it. Yes. Not in spite of, but through it. And so even if the days are grim, God's conquering comes Absolutely. through that and we see once again the supreme light which he wants us to follow.
2: Here's a question that our editors have wanted you to answer and I think it's very pertinent. And I know you're in the process of... Uh, uh, really putting together a, quite a lengthy uh, explanation and an understanding of how we should consider this. But what are your thoughts about the recent decision of the U.S. Supreme Court claiming there's a right to so-called same-sex marriage in the Constitution? Your response?
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. I'm pondering this very, very carefully, James and Betty. Uh, very few questions have I taken so long to think through and my BlackBerry is busy on every flight as I'm penning thoughts and ideas that I want to pull together because this is such a sensitive issue and so volatile an issue. The body in the Christian worldview is the temple of the living God. It's indisputable. C.S. Lewis said, you do not have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. You are a soul, you have a body. So our base of definitions comes from that logical and chronological connection, that we are essentially souls, we have a body. We all have temptations, proclivities, dispositions. Even the purest person living here will say, I battle temptation, what are the temptations? Lust, greed, and pride. The Bible says all that is in the flesh. And so, we start off from two different vantage points. The foundational starting point is different from a secularistic view to a Christian theistic framework. But there are many, even in that worldview of thought that I know, James, who will tell you how they've lived in struggle and want to honor God and therefore lead lives of resistance to that temptation. I know them. Within a matter of hours, I'll be with one of them, sitting across a table. So to make my answer brief at this point and more at length later, yes, the chasm is wide. Where is the bridge? The bridge is in two hungers and two searches, the search for identity and the search for intimacy. We all look for identity and for intimacy. How best do we communicate that my identity has to be as a child of the living God? that I am his offspring and he has called me to the sacred and to the holy and to that which gives me my identity from which all my decisions come. That's the first thing. The second thing is where do I find my intimacy? I cannot find it in sexual consummation alone because that will only fulfill the body and the emotions to a degree. Deep in our longing is that soulish consummation which we need. That's why in the Christian faith you have the indwelling presence of the living God. How we communicate this in a bridge that my identity is in Him and my intimacy is with Him and because of that, all earthly attractions have to come under His purview and He provides the boundaries for me. So we start off with big chasms. We have to find the bridge FOR THESE TWO, AND MY GOAL IS HOW BEST TO COMMUNICATE TO EVERY PERSON, WHATEVER YOUR PROCLIVITY IS, THAT ONLY IN YOUR IDENTITY IN CHRIST, AND ONLY IN THE consummate RELATIONSHIP WITH THE LIVING GOD, WITH HIS HOLY SPIRIT LIVING WITHIN YOU, CAN YOU NOT ONLY KNOW WHAT IT IS RIGHT TO DO, AND LET ME STRESS THAT, WE TALK SO MUCH ABOUT RIGHTS, WE HAVE TO FIRST DEFINE WHAT IS RIGHT. Mm If you don't define what is right and only talk about rights, then any other worldview with its rights can supersede the previous one. Where is it going to go next? Rights must be based on right. That comes in my identity with Jesus Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. That identity and that intimacy is what we need to be preaching with love and not with hostility. And the power of God transforms hearts and the intents that those hearts have.
2: You appreciate what Ravi shared. About, in about three minutes, Ravi, uh, a lot of pressure on businesses, how they serve the people who ask for same-sex service and uh, so forth. It's uh, make them a cake, whatever. It, it almost would like, uh, would a person have to make a bachelor party and put nudes all over the cake or make breasts would they be forced to do that would they have a right to say no as a as a biker to some kind of request like
1: that even well you know given right from the first amendment to me and an understanding of this nation's founding even jefferson and washington washington particularly made very clear that apart from religious belief he didn't know how we were going to find our moral basis and today, philosophers will tell you that YOU TAKE over A PERSON'S RIGHT TO CONSCIENCE AND RIGHT TO RELIGIOUS BELIEF, AND THE COUNTRY WILL ULTIMATELY BE COMPLETELY DECIMATED. IT WILL. AND SO IF THE JUSTICE WHO VOTED TO MAKE IT FIVE TO FOUR CAN BE TAKEN AT HIS WORD, HE AT LEAST WENT SO FAR AS TO SAY THAT OUR CONSCIENCES OUGHT NOT TO BE VIOLATED AND THE FREEDOM OF OUR RELIGION OUGHT TO BE GIVEN FREE. HE DIDN'T USE THE WORD EXERCISE, WHICH JUSTICE ROBERTS CAREFULLY POINTED OUT. HE SAID, "I hope." in what they've said, they're not taking away the exercise of your free religion. This is one of those hinge moments in history. Time will tell, but I hope and pray to God that every person who makes law, here's the way I look at it, James, law is what builds this nation. The trunk is the political structure, the branches are culture. Law, trunk, branches. The laws, politics, culture. What holds the roots? What is the root? If the root is law, what holds the roots? The roots are not uh, sustaining themselves. It has to be a moral soil. It has to be a moral soil. And therefore, when the framers say, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we are endowed by our creator. There is the theistic framework. There is the moral, self-disclosing, naturalistic framework in moral law itself. So the moral law has to hold the roots. The roots hold the trunk. The trunk holds the branches. So if you find out the branches are breaking, it's because the soil is not holding on to the roots. We must, BE CAREFUL TO REMIND PEOPLE THAT THAT MORAL SOIL COMES FROM A TRANSCENDENT PERSPECTIVE. I AM NOT SELF-REFLECTIVE IN MY DEFINITIONS OF GOOD AND BAD. IT COMES TO ME FROM THE GOD WHO HAS CREATED ME, WHO HAS GIVEN ME ALSO THE REMINDER TO BE GRACIOUS AND LOVING IN THE WAY I PROPAGATE THOSE BOUNDARIES. uh, IT WAS G.K. CHESTERTON WHO SAID, WHENEVER YOU REMOVE ANY FENCE, always pause long enough to ask why it was put there in the first place. <laughs> and those fences are there for a purpose. So the moral soil is very critical. Mm-hmm. Your response.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what, Robbie, you is it's just so incredible. I want to remind you, during the book, Why Suffering. It's so appropriate in light of the things even that Robbie has just addressed because we do feel pressure. And uh, this is just incredible. I love the fact he talked about Vince being such a treasure and here writing it with him. And, and uh, we'll send it to you just to say thank you. If, if you would do, Betty, what I, I think our viewers want to do, and let's give shoes for Christmas. Now, we have to raise the money way ahead of time because we want to get the shoes. Then we have to ship them to all the different distribution centers where our missionaries are. And they will distribute them around the birth of Christ and talk about Jesus and his love. And this is what we're doing. I I want you to watch very closely, please, and just listen uh, to our wonderful mission workers and co-laborers that we love so much and, and just see what God says to you about what he wants you to do to give shoes and smiles for Christmas. Watch closely and prayerfully.
0: In this season of giving, God's Word has very
1: special meaning when he tells us not to be only hearers of the word, but also doers of the word.
3: It's a great day when you can give until the least of these. I've hung out in this village all afternoon and I could not wait for this moment to be honest with you, but I've had a chance to play with the children. We've hung out and I've played at their playground with them. You would not imagine what playground they play on. Many of them have never had a pair of shoes until this moment and I promise you now, they will not be playing in dangerous places again without shoes to protect their feet.
4: And this Christmas season as we've been given Christmas shoes Uh, to so many children who don't have shoes. We've also had the privilege of bringing Christmas smiles, bringing that corrective surgery to children who just needed that just touch of love. It was several years ago, the first time James and Betty came to China and saw the needs of orphans all over this land. And God really moved in their heart to make a difference in these children's lives. We have done just that through you and others who have given so generously for these cleft lip, cleft palate surgeries for these children, bringing what we call Christmas smiles. Little May May here is one of the girls who received one of those surgeries through your giving. And we just wanna say thank you today for loving on her, believing in her. Your giving seemed like a one-time gift, but it's really a gift that gives a lifetime. Beautiful Christmas smiles. Thank you so
2: much for doing God's Word together this season, blessing children all over the world. Betty, what do you think about those smiles?
3: (laughs) Well, to me, there's nothing like seeing a child smile. It just makes me grin from ear to ear when I see because I know there's there's happiness and joy behind that smile, too. But, you know, James, putting the shoes on, on their feet. it just It's more than just giving them a gift of shoes. It's protection for the feet. They walk everywhere they go, and they walk off all kinds of difficult terrain. So it's a real need for these children, and they are so happy when they get their first pair of shoes for many of them. And then when we put the smiles on their faces, what a joy for all of us, because we're making a difference.
2: It does put a smile in my heart to uh, look at those little children and know that they or so embarrassed. Uh, we had a little kid in Angola that had obviously never seen his smile. I guess he had not seen a mirror. And uh, we actually showed him some footage where we were talking to him. And when he saw us play it back on the camera where he could look and see the, uh, uh, the little monitor, he screamed and covered his face. And it was such a horrible situation. And it moved us so much to see the heartache that we actually got to take that little boy because people like you said we're gonna get him the surgery and we had to take him from Angola and got permission, took him all the way to Johannesburg, South Africa and gave him the most beautiful smile. And Betty, you never forget things like that and you reference the shoes. We have been with so many children who cut their feet, bacteria gets in, hookworms will actually affect their little minds and, and can destroy their lives. We have watched children die because of the bacteria that got into their system through their feet. So when we're able to give them these little shoes, they look like some that we wear here that are quite expensive, but we're able to get them for $3.60 a pair, which means $36 gives uh, 10 pair of shoes. Uh, and we're asking you to give as many as you can. Uh, $144 will give, uh, I think, 40 children uh, shoes. And uh, we're asking you to make the largest gift you can. The surgeries are $500. And it may be that you'd say, you know what, I'm going to give two of those. I'm going to make a $1,000 gift. I don't know what level you can participate at, but I believe you'll want to. We're going to send you, as a thank you, the little Christmas shoes, any gift you make. We've been sending these now. This will be the fifth year. And we actually have all of the shoes uh, over the years. If you make a gift of over $100, we'll send you the one for this year plus the four in the previous years. And, And I can tell you. Uh, These are one of the most beautiful things we put on our Christmas tree. And there's not a person that looks at our tree who comes to visit us during Christmas. They'll say, where'd you get the shoes? And we're able to talk to them about giving shoes and smiles for Christmas. It'll enable you to do the very same thing. But now remember, we need to hear from you today. So would you go online, lifetoday.org, take your bank card and use it like a check? Or would you call the number and use that bank card like a check? And just make the gift God puts on your heart. We want to be a blessing to you, we'll say thank you. But oh, what a blessing you're going to be to the children and the families you touch with the love of God. Thank you so much for your gift. Thank you for sharing the love of Christ.
0: Poverty is a killer and because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. For most of these children, they've never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections that could lead to crippling consequences, disease, and even death. By responding today, you can help life immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 200,000 children around the world just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes a gift of $72 will help provide 20 pair, and a gift of $144 will help provide 40 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted green antique shoe ornament, a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $100 or more, you may also request a special boxed set of Life's Christmas shoe ornaments from past years. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request our beautifully framed canvas prints of the Forest Chapel. Please call, write, or make your gift online today.
2: You know, here is uh, one group of uh, the most beautiful children. These children are in Central America. And these are just a few of the uh, children that we want to bless with 200,000 pairs of shoes. You think about that, 200,000 kids and what it's going to do for their their family. I've said to you over and over that it's one thing to pray for people, but it's another thing to become an answer to somebody's prayer, someone's need. And the Bible tells us very clearly in one place, as an example, many places, but one very clearly, Isaiah 58, that when you reach out and you touch those in need, then you call and God says, I will answer quickly. We get our prayers answered. And Betty, it's been amazing to see what happened in
3: our lives and we just begin to bless others and giving shoes is one way to bless others. And to me, it's such a rewarding thing to do. You know, I, we we come over here to be a blessing, but we always go back so much more blessed, James, I think, because we see what can be done. We see the needs here, but we know that our friends, because they love children, they love to give, they love to share, that's you I'm talking about. You'd love to help and in any need that we share with you. And, and this is a real need, shoes for the children.
2: You know, this little Christmas ornament is its not just a little token. It's, it's a conversation piece. We got the whole set of four others and now this makes five. And there's not a person who walks in our home during the Christmas season, doesn't notice the shoes and talk about it. And we tell them what we're doing, what love does. If you'd like to have Robbie's book, Why Suffering? Finding Meaning and Comfort When Life Doesn't Make Sense, what a treasure this will be at this time in your life. And uh, we want to be a blessing to you. Thank you for blessing so many children, giving them a smile giving us some shoes. Join me and Betty in saying thanks again to Robbie Zephyr. <laughs> you go and uh, go online now and visit Robbie's website. Help him fulfill the vision God in his heart.
1: have to wait till things get smooth to know peace. You can know peace in the midst of crisis.
0: Sheila Walsh, next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.